0: Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with cities of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And as always, we are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is our goal, it is our responsibility, it is our duty every week that we come on this show. It is our it's our joy to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do it. Primary way, if you'd like to get your thoughts heard live on the air on this broadcast, if you want to, simply call the number 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your thoughts, insights in on the broadcast. Again, 234 5230 uh, 4- no, 347 237 5230. That's the number to call to do that. Also, the chat room is open so you can go to Blog Talk Radio and click on uh the live chat and you can join us in the chat room and share your thoughts and insights there. We do already have some in there. Um you go to the website, uh Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook and uh share your comments there if you so choose. Follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Um, uh, follow us, send me an email, Neal at gmail.com, and also, there are many other ways you can get in touch with us, but those are just a few of the main ways that you can do so, and we're glad that you joined us this morning, we're glad that you're here, it is August, it is already August, kids, some kids are already in school, some are prepared to go to school, but, uh, hey, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit later, so, uh let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go into uh any further. Today we're going to be talking about pedophile pastors. The problem of pedophile pastors. You may not know, but it's becoming a dilemma, an epidemic in our church. It's it's spreading like a wildfire in California or somewhere else. Uh so we're going to talk about that. We're going to, you know, we're going to be looking for the signs of a pedophile. Uh and uh hopefully we can give strategies to you as members to empower you to protect the children in your church so uh those are just again things that we're going to be talking about as we go forth in this program at this uh this broadcast so let's go to the lord in prayer father we thank you for today we bless you for another day's journey we thank you for those who are you're allowed to see August, those who are celebrating birthdays, those who are celebrating anniversaries, whatever it may be, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this broadcast. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Well, uh, I want to, I want to, before I go further, you know, I always try to do the headlines. Um, uh, there's a movie coming out on August the 22nd, and the movie is titled, When the Teen Stands tall. Um, It it is a wonderful movie. um, Last night we took several of our members uh, to a free screening of the movie at one of the local theaters here, and it was packed. I mean, it was packed. And um, I can say that while it is a definitely a Christian themed movie, it was one. It was very, very inspirational. Uh, it was easy to follow. It didn't have too many cliches. There were a few in there, but uh, uh, it was it was a very, very inspirational movie. The movie is based on uh, a, a true story, inspired by a true story of the De La Salle high school uh, football team out of California. Uh, the team had a streak winning record. Uh, for about 12 years, where they had a record of 151 uh, straight wins, consecutive wins over a period of 12 years, and of course, it it uh it goes through some of the pains that the team experienced going after uh after winning the hundred and first 51st uh, game, and they lost for the first time in 12 years, two games back to back, and and uh apparently continued the streak so uh i i i endorsed the movie i was i i got to see it i was really moved it had some very moving points moments in the movie it had some very comedic moments in the movie and uh there were moments where the crowd uh theater crowd erupted in laughter and tears but it, it was just a very inspirational movie and i I, I think it would be something that you should go and see. You know, I, I, I I'm not is I'm not big on inspirational kind of movies, especially Christian themes, You know, the production, but it has it is wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. Again, the name of the movie is When the Game Stands Tall, and um, it comes to theaters in August twenty second. So uh, I think you should. This is one of the things you should take your youth group. See if you're a church organization. Uh, if you work with young people, it's one of the things that you should. It's one movie you should take them to see. Now, I've already seen the James Brown Get Up, Get On Up movie. I've already. Uh, I will be seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But this is one of the movies that I probably will go see again, just because I enjoyed it. You know, it was a wonderful movie, well produced, and and that's. That's my endorsement. You know, I don't endorse too many things, um, but I endorse that movie. I had a great time. Uh, some of the young people uh, from the church and community who were there had a great time, and even uh, most of the adults had a great time. <laughs> I mean, I, I was watching and just getting around and seeing some of the older adult, the adults and seniors who were there, and they, it was just amazing. It was an amazing uh, group of people in that theater last night, so I was honored to be a part of that. And um, if you're in, there'll be, we'll have another screening, free screening. If you're in the uh, Metro, Jackson Metro area, we'll have another screening later this week. And uh, one, I think it's in Madison. Uh, so uh, if you can contact me, we'll give you the information on how you can view that. Um, uh, if you missed the one last night, you can get another, uh, another uh, opportunity to view. All right, so that's that's one my headline. It's <laughs> gonna take up that, that little time. Now, um, I, I got an interesting. You guys know I love I love these funny things. I love when I come across uh, funny posts and, and things and uh, on the internet that just capture my attention. I, I love sharing it. So yesterday I came across something in my Facebook timeline that I just I could not believe. And you know, I went through the verification and to see if it was a true story, or and even if it wasn't a true story, it's funny. So here it is: a pastor in Ghana, Ghana, Africa, was holding a service, and, and during the service, he, you know, he 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 solicits the persons who are in need of healing to come forth for healing. All right, so. The altar call is given, people come, and he says that uh, if you need healing, just touch specific parts of my body. Well, a woman, a female who is also uh, a local or a bishop or a minister in the same denomination of church as this pastor, came and grabbed his penis. Of course, his penis was still in the pants. At least we, I'm assuming his penis was still in the pants. <laughs> so she comes and she grabs, he you know, everybody's touching him for various uh, believing, in, for various healing in their body or whatever it may be. And she comes and grabs his penis. And we're assuming that his penis was in his pants. She did not take the, like I hope she didn't take his penis out of his pants and grab it. It is it, not inferred in there. I don't want to. I, I'm just. I'm just saying what I read. <laughs> so, when the pastor asked her, the woman bishop, uh, oh, as the story reports that she's a bishop, why she grabbed his penis, she gives the most honest answer. Uh, <laughs> Benny Hinn could make this up, and uh, or Roberts back in the day. I don't think they would. <laughs> I, I I doubt they would allow that to happen, but. But check this is her reply as to why she grabbed his penis. He gave the specific instru- he gave the instructions to grab you know specific parts of his body. Uh, well not specific well parts that touched his body. So she says uh, I touch your penis because my husband's penis is broken, and I have faith that if I touch your penis, his would be healed can't make this stuff up. But even if it is made up, it's still funny. And so what she does is crazy. She um. So the pastor asked her why she holding his private. The woman said her husband's penis is not working anymore. And she said that if she hold his penis, her husband would be healed. And the pastor, this is what the pastor did. The pastor shouted, hallelujah. And she shouted Hallelujah and I don't know if he shouted Hallelujah because, you know, he got a quick hand job or or if she was the only one who was really following the instructions. She paid attention, you know. She paid attention. She he, he said, Touch the part of my body, uh, any part of my body, he didn't give specific instructions or whatever, but she touched his penis. Uh I hope it wasn't an erection. But uh, oh God, I tell you, the more I think about this, the worse it gets, (laughs) and the funnier it gets. But this is part of the reason. Things like this. This is part of the reason why folks don't come to the church. (laughs) I I put up my Facebook page. I said, I guess you never heard of the song, you know, the phrase, "Touch not my anointed." Y'all, as you can see, I'm having way too much fun with this. But either way, uh, I, if I ever have a healing service, I promise I will never tell you to come and touch any part of my body. I'm going to be like Benny Hinn. I, I'll blow. and <laughs> Make you fall down or something. You know, what what's that thing? I remember one time was like Benny Hinn, he, he used his jacket and he kind of like waved his jacket and uh, a bunch of people just fell down, and I'm like, "Come on, y'all gotta be kidding me!" And and and, and well, anyway, I digress. But so the woman, I wonder if her woman, if her husband's penis was healed, if it started working right. Uh, I wonder if the reporter is going to do a follow up, or the pastor. I wonder if the pastor's going to do a follow up on that healing. Lord have mercy. Well. <laughs> Y'all, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. There's so many other things I want. I, I It's just fine. But I, I really want to get into the topic for today. I don't want to waste any more time. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back uh, after the break, we're going to get direct into the subject of the, the day, the problem with pedophile pastors. And I really want to hear your thoughts. Call in. Let me know what you're thinking about uh, what uh, solutions situations, things you may have of. I'm going to share some things uh, so, well, just it, it is what it is but uh, anyway i uh, love to hear your thoughts, insights commentary on this topic so when we get back, that's what we're going to do be right backpack after these messages <laughs> Social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage. Like your birthday, or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend. LifeLock. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused... LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today. At farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry. Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself, to go where I'm needed, to keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com Friends and loved ones, uh, listeners, my listening audience, I am excited. On yesterday, uh, the Christian Arts Music and Christian Arts Ministry of the African Methodist Episcopal Church released A.M.E. Live. It's our first recording, our first uh, product uh, that is a connectional music product of our ministry, music ministry, and I have my copy. I have. Many other copies if you like to, because I tell you, I'm so glad about this project. It is a wonderful project, probably the best you're going to hear this year. So you got to get a chance to get you a copy of this great project. You simply go to com. That's m-c-a-m-e dot com. And, no, I think I, think, I gave that wrong. I gave that wrong. You can get it on iTunes or you? See my web page, go to my Facebook page, go to my web page, and you can find out how to get this track. And I'm going to play a, a, a cut off the track, but I'm excited. It's available now on every out every place you can think of, uh, uh, Walmart, uh, Amazon, iTunes, you can get it. It's a wonderful project. I completely endorse it. I think you ought to get it. So, and uh, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I love it. And I've been listening to it since I purchased it. I, you know, I got uh, early copy. So that's my plug for that show, uh, for this part of the show. It is AME Live, the Music and Christian Arts Ministry of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the International AME Bass uh, Choir, and it's their release. And I think one of my favorite ones on this CD is track number five, and it's, it's a, a wonderful rendition of one of my favorite hymns, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, I tell you when you listen it, it'll just take you up to glory because it is, it, is, it invokes the old days of high choral style music that was once a part of the African American church, the black church. And I just say, you know, it's a wonderful project. So order your copy. Go pick it up. It's available for everywhere all around the world. And you ought to get your copy. All right? All right then. So let's get into this. Let us get into this topic for today. We're talking a very, very serious issue, and that is the problem of pedophile pastors. And, and, and I know pastors is broad because actually I should include church people uh, because we have pedophiles in the church who are working alongside children. You know, they're leading. ministries, uh, youth pastors, volunteers, and things of that nature. And you, I have, I was appalled at some of the stories that I have been reading uh, about pastors and about clergy, about youth pastors, about youth workers in the church who are taking advantage of our children. Now, uh, about what, 40 years ago, we had the story of uh, Bishop Eddie Long, and I, I know I discussed this uh, several weeks ago on the, pro, on the broadcast, uh, and, and, you know, because of Eddie Long's uh, prominence in the church, because of his, you know, he was a high-profile preacher, it came out, you know, the way, the way it was reported, you know, it made international news. But you know he had been doing this for probably some time, and his church stayed behind him. You know, and I played the clips, and I I I was trying to pull up those clips, some of those clips, and I was unable to pull up some of those clips uh, that I I had. Uh, Remember, uh, uh, CNN anchor Don Lemon uh, interviewed several young people from the church, and prior to just after the news broke and then after he made his, uh, Eddie Long made his uh, speech to the church. And then uh, there was a follow-up, but it didn't get as much attention afterwards, you know, when they awarded the verdict. But it's just crazy. It's just crazy how uh, this is coming, how it's uh, becoming an epidemic. And I do use the word epidemic because there are so much going on in the church and uh this often just gets swept swept under the rug you know where we know we suspect our pastor may be doing something but uh we, we really don't know it's just a rumor or well uh, you know a pastor is human and and this just one mistake and he won't do it again and you know i i was reading some of the defenses that members put over their children because they love their pastor so let's let, let's get into this this is one and there are several examples that we will and part of this comes from um i want to thank uh, my friends over at uh, uh church folk revolution and uh because they have been at the forefront on this issue they have been uh breaking stories before it gets anywhere they're they're making people aware of this problem so uh kudos and commendations to the people over there my brothers tj and over there at uh at uh church folk revolution dot com. that's a plug for y'all <laughs> that's a plug for them so you go and you'll find you'll be surprised and i pulled up one article that i'm pretty gonna i'm really gonna discuss about uh later on as a reference but let me let me tell you how prevalent is, and how it is, uh, you know, uh, just over a decade ago, just over a decade ago, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church in America was experiencing this dilemma, you know, as news spread of priests who had been molesting children for years, and to cover it up, they simply would uh, move the priest to another church, and because priests just like uh, us are... I, uh, by uh, their itinerant so they can be moved. The bishops would simply move them to another church and hopefully nobody would ever know but you know you got to deal with the emotional the human emotional compact uh, component of that and although life went on it didn't go on as good as it could have gone had they not been molested and it, it cost the Catholic Church billions of dollars. Literally, it cost them at least a billion dollars because they had to pay lawsuits. And these were no, no small change lawsuits, not 2 million here and 5 million. You know, I'm talking about 20 and 30 million. And, and, and that's in just one diocese. It almost, well, I won't say it, but it bankrupted them. But the, it blemished the, the image of the Catholic Church here in America and across the world. And of course, it started under Pope John Paul uh, when most of the scandal broke, and when he passed, it fell to Pope Benedict XVI. And um, Pope Benedict, he did not really deal with it. Uh, he, uh, you know, he kind of, he, he, well, I don't even know how he handled it, but you know, he didn't address it as as, as people would have liked him to address it. You know, he wasn't, didn't really punish those uh, those leaders that allowed it to happen and it caused a lot of priests and bishops and cardinals and all them folk uh, to lose their job and be prison and many in the Protestant and evangelical church kind of waved their fingers and said we expect that, how can you I mean what do you expect when you force your priest to be celibate they're either going to become homosexual or they're going to bless children only to discover that it was going on in the Protestant and Evangelical Church. And some of the church leaders knew and didn't do anything. And so there's story after story after story where clergy were being uh, inappropriate with children. Okay? Now, I mean, there's a local story here. And that's two stories that uh, I can reference. First... Is uh, a story that, uh, that broke here in, in the Jackson, Mississippi area. Uh, a minister of music, who was a pastor of music at a local uh, church assembly here, during the time of, you know, when they give the the altar call for reconnect, you know, rededication, whatever it may may be. This this grown man comes and confesses to his church family that. He had been molesting boys uh, prior to that church where he was currently serving, but he had been molesting boys in Louisiana and a, uh, one other state for at least 20 years. And he finally, after all this time, felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit to confess. And he did this in the sanctuary before the entire congregation, and some deemed it as protected speech and because he did it it counted as confessional and was uh subject to the same uh the same um protection as priests who received confessions from from their parishioners. But anyway, he ended up you know, he ended up not only confessing to the church but he turned himself in. Um and he's currently you know, he's been convicted and he's currently serving time in prison for the action but what what made me think about this story is that he went long working with children for at least two decades and the church never bothered every church he served never bothered to to bet him you know they they didn't they probably did a background check uh, criminal background check of course he had no criminal history So he aced the criminal background check. They probably did a psychological evaluation. And he probably aced the psychological evaluation because, you know, he was mentally competent to serve in his place as minister. But they never addressed the fact that he had hidden issues with children, male boys. Uh, Male boys, that's the same thing. (laughs) With male children. Uh, So, he does this, he's arrested. But it it took time and eventual yielding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I believe he was probably being convicted all the time, but it was that moment in service, something happened that triggered his eventual yielding to that conviction. That conviction that made him confess. Let me share... Uh, one other story, and, and this comes from my hometown. There was a pastor, just recently, who uh, it came out that he was involved with an underage girl in the church and got her pregnant. Now, this is a story that I've heard numerous amount of times, and I never thought because this is one of the churches I considered my home church. I I I grew up in this church. I, it wasn't my home church, but I. I was there pretty much as much as I was at my uh, my 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 church where I was baptized and served in. But anyway, so once the church learns of this, they fire. Him. The problem was that he had, you know, we were kids and he had been the pastor for a while, so most people knew of his sexual exploits. Uh it it wasn't the first, it just happened to be the <laughs> the wrong one this time I believe. Yeah. You know. And so they, they finally let him go. But most were aware. And that's the problem that I have and that's why I'm doing this show because most people in the church are aware of when their pastor is involved in something like this. You can't hide it. Uh there are several there there's several stories throughout this uh that's broadcast. I, I wish I had time to share all of them, but I'm gonna I'm touch on just a few. And these were really, really scary stories. Perhaps the most prominent one is the story of, oh, is uh, is that a pastor of Pastor uh, what's his name? Uh, he's out of Jacksonville, Daryl Gilliard. Gilliard uh, is a pastor in Jacksonville, Florida. He was a pastor of a mega church in that area, and he had been there, and he served well uh, until he got arrested for uh, child molestation. And he was a registered sex offender. Now, what happened was, people, he had served at various, he had served at five different churches, and at five different churches, the same accusation came up every single time. And this man would, like I said, after the first church, you know, he shouldn't have been pastoring. If, 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 if somebody says that my pastor touched my daughter or my son, it would be a lot to restrain me from hurting him. Not only would I fire him and uh, the district should not have allowed him to pastor anywhere else. They should have sent a notice, uh, a letter against this man but they did not and so what happened he gets to be in four other churches so he does the same thing at this wonderful big church and goes to jail and so fast forward he serves his time he gets out of jail what happens he's not even out of jail for a whole month before another church calls him to be their pastor now and and, now mind you they are aware of what he went to jail for. And they are aware that he is now a registered sex offender. And they say, well, we just need him to fill the pulpit until we find the pastor. And then, of course, you know, he's still in, he's preaching. And my, my my whole mind, my whole thing was, how could you sit in a congregation where you know this person is a convicted sex offender, convicted for children? So, for, for convicted for molesting children, so what did they do? They they smart. They understand that they want this man to to feed them the word of God. So they're smart. You know what they did? That church told their children, "We love our pastor. We want our pastor, and we love our pastor more than we love you." So they in essence banned their children from the main worship service in the sanctuary and had them relegated to another area, uh, a separate area to church. And it wasn't children's church. It wasn't wasn't the children's church where the pastor was present. No, they had their own, they could not be in the same place as this registered sex offender. But they loved their pastor so much, they lobbied and they lobby judges to say, look, this is our pastor. We, we want our children to hear the great word this man is preaching because he's going to save souls. Even though he's convicted, God forgives and we forgive and yada, 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 and so forth. And so what do they do? They, the judge finally consents and adjusts this man's parole so that he could preach to the children. And the children... Are now able to be in the service supervised. What does that mean? What uh, what is supervision? How how, what does it mean? A child can be in the service with supervision. What? The parents just gonna be there? Well, apparently, it doesn't mean the same. But anyway, I digress. So this pastor has people who love him so much that they put him before their own children. And the stories go on and on and on. What would you do? What would you do? Would you allow that pastor? I was wondering I mean, what was the thinking boy, deacon boy thinking? Well, you know, he passed the mega church, so you know, he could probably bring that crowd to us. We just a little small church. And we got the big preacher. Yeah, right. Look, I'm gonna take a good uh quick break and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna share some more stories with you. But before I go back to break I wanna put in another plug. For the A.M.E. Live, you the Music Christian Arts Ministry of the A.M.E. Church International Choir. Their latest project, A.M.E. Live, you need to go get it. Walmart, Amazon, iTunes, go get it. Get your blessing. <laughs> Take a break, and I'll be back right on the on the other side of the break, and we will continue the topic. One of those things I love to hear yourself. Call in. 347 Chat room, focus. Let me know what you're thinking. I want to hear yourself. Be right back. do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through incomeathome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen who needs to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six your income and I'm paying cash for college for four kids we found our way out of rat race listen this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends this is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24 7 IncomeAtHome.com is affiliated with a multi billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating so how much money do you need to earn each month from home Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. I've been a victim of identity theft on more than one occasion and I got to tell you it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards. That's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock. LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service. It provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it. Now here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it It offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity death while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.LifeLock.com, or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today, and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. the saying, clothes make the man. used to be that way with suits. Wear one and you'd start to think like one. Wall Street before Main Street. Profit before people. Well, that's changing. I mean, look around. You see a lot more guys wearing suits. They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this. Today, you don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Back zero right today again. I'm your host Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're talking about problem pedophile pastors. And uh, again, I want to send a shout out to my friends over at Church Folk Revolution. Uh, excuse me for again. I've gotten a lot of what I, I've been what I've been talking about and what I've uh, learned or gathered from them. Their website pimppreacher.com. You can go and check out some of the very horrible stories. But they did something they did one thing that uh one story that I kind of it's it's funny, but it's it's also very serious and it said, "Hell no, you can't sleep bypass a house, and don't ask me again." that's the title that's the title of the article "Hell no, you can't sleep bypass a house and don't ask me again." And the article is intended to address the parental carelessness in protecting their teenagers. From uh, pastor pedophiles, and you'd be surprised uh, how you know how 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 trusting some parents are when it comes to their children and preachers. Now, I was a band director. I was a band director for a number of years in various places in Arkansas, Louisiana, and uh, Arkansas and Louisiana. And uh, one school I served at, I, I had you know. I I had a wonderful time, and I was pastoring when I was, you know, when I was with, uh was while I was about, uh, Fleur. I was pastoring while I was a band director, and one night we had a we had a football game that we had to play at. It was Friday night, and um, then we had to leave out early in the morning to go to a marching contest, and there were some uh uh there there were there was some boys there was some some of my students who need it, they're like, well, you know, we don't want to go home. I was like, y'all got to go home because I don't want to go home. I want to go to sleep. Anyway, uh, the parents weren't available for some reason or another. I got in touch with them, and and I was like, you know, are you coming to get them or whatever? They said, oh, well, you know, let them stay. It's only a couple of hours before they have to be up again and and, and be ready to leave. I said, okay. And I was like, part of me was like, y'all parents, you know, y'all trust. Y'all trusted me too much. Nah, I, I wasn't gonna touch the boys or nothing like that. And it was just, a, you know, and I addressed it eventually. I said, you know, I know I'm a pastor, and I know you know I'm a pastor. I know I'm a band director, but you still need to be careful about your children. You can't just let anybody around your children. Uh, you know, I, I I don't go that way, but thank you know, thank God I don't go that way. But but what if it hadn't been me? No, what if it was uh, one of those pastors who. You know, hiding the fact that they like uh, touching these children. So this story was really, really, uh, you know, it, it really touched a, a, a nerve on me because I, I see how parents sometimes are just over trusting uh, those who are in church leadership. And well, I don't want to exclude laypersons. I'm including everybody in church leadership. And you know, when you know, we we teach our children. To be aware, you know, of the obvious pedophiles, you know, people, you know, uh, the ones who, like, I can't find my dog, I can't find my cat, will you help me? And then next thing, you know, they kidnap the kid. Or, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But it's the ones, uh, and I I should be also including leadership in school because, uh, you know, teachers do it. Uh, But anyway, dealing with pastors. You ought to be careful. you need to know your pastor before you allow your child to you know spend the night over their house uh, and if your pastor it, it it doesn't matter if your pastor is married, well, you know we kind of put up the flags when they're single, but if they're married that doesn't that doesn't mean that they won't do nothing so i'm I'm scrolling through this story and they there, he uh, the often list several pastors in several situations where because parents were so trusting of their children allowed them to stay at the pastor's house and the child ends up uh, being sexually molested or assaulted by the pastor. Uh, one uh, this one uh, one person one pastor was having slumber parties and prayer sessions at his house. And during this time, the pastor would um, invite the the girls over or the minors over and would have sex with them or sexual contact. You know, Bill Clinton helped us understand that there's more to sex than just sex. <laughs> and it, did, it helped us let me stop. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Anyway, here's the story. Pastor um, was having press that uh, prayer sessions and uh, inviting these uh, these minors to come over to the house and having emotional uh, sexual contact with them. And the parents continued to allow this to happen for a while before the young uh, before uh, the the child was able to. I would tell them what was going on, and by that time you know it had gone on too far and he used the fact that you know these these prayer sessions were healing uh this you know he used his position as a, in the church to say that they were a part of a healing process and private prayer um oh. what about this one uh pastor who invites his uh members over. And uh he's sleeping with the church secretary, and the church secretary aids and abeds him in allowing him to have sex and sexual assault a minor while they're sleeping over from a volleyball game. man, I tell you, but perhaps the most disturbing the most disturbing one is when um you are told. That your pastor is a pedophile when you are told that your pastor is doing stuff to children he ain't got no business when you are told such and warned about such and you do not act which is what happened in the case of the Roman Catholic Church uh, they were told and they acted but they didn't act in, in favor of the children they acted in favor of the church. And what happened, you know, they know the story. And that is what happens all the time. This is, this is ongoing in the church. The members, if they learn of any type of immorality, but particularly when it comes to children, when they learn of the immorality on the clergy or the church staff, what do they do? They act, but they act not in the favor of the child, but in the favor of the church. They say, you know, you know they, they, they'd they rather try to cover it up than do anything. They'd rather try to make sure that the pastor's image is not uh, messed up. So there's a pastor uh, out of Philadelphia, Uh pastor. I want to say Youngblood. Yeah, Dwayne Youngblood. Dwayne Youngblood is a... I don't know if he's a bishop. I don't know what they call him. But he has a a, a group of churches that he leads or something. And they were warned that this man uh, is being inappropriate with children. Or minors in his congregation. And they chose to ignore it. And they chose to ignore it at the disgust that their pastor uh well at you know, at the disgust of those who were trying to help them. Trying to help them. They get mad at the people who, who bring it out. Now, this pastor, uh Youngblood, he had been arrested at least twice. Okay. Uh, in 2006, and what, I think in 2000, if I if I understand the article correctly, but at least, well, at least one time he was arrested. And, you know, he, he, the, he even told the church, you know, when, the, when uh, at the onset of the being discovered, you know, folks went to him and said, y'all need to get rid of your pastor. Get rid of him. They didn't. And what happened? They keep him on, they keep him on, and the next thing you know, uh, he gets involved, again, with another young person, because the person comes to him for counseling, pastoral counseling. And that pastoral counseling turned into an inappropriate inappropriate sexual relationship. Alright? So, it gets swept under the rug, and... Uh, He gets, although he he did get convicted, he still was able to pastor. Matter of fact, this dude was so bold. (laughs) This dude was so bold. Uh, He called the the church. He made an actual phone call to the church from prison or from the jail cell, wherever he was, denying the charge. and, And I just. Couldn't believe that folk even allowed him, you know, calling the church and telling them, "Yeah, I'm in jail," but, but uh, you know, y'all y'all just have to, y'all just have to uh, overlook that and and pray for me. What makes it worse is that this particular pastor wrote a book and said that he was delivered from homosexuality. He acknowledged that he was one time struggling with that and that he had been delivered from it and. That's why you can trust me, cause I I wrote a book, and my book says I'm I'm delivered from it. So believe the book and don't believe me. <laughs> what happens? He gets arrested again, and finally the people, finally the people. Well, actually no, they really didn't care. He gets a nice little lawyer, who uh, who's going to defend him, and course try to shift blame from him to the victim and, and that, that's what makes me upset, you know. You're holding these preachers higher than the victims. You esteem them higher than the victims. The ones that they 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 hurt make them the the evil person. And that's what that's what frustrates me. That's what irritates me. How dumb can you be? How loyal must you be to a pastor who is molesting your children? How loyal can you be to someone who is, who is literally, you know, causing other people so much pain that they're committing suicide? Or, or they are turning straight young men into homosexuals because they've been molested by the preacher? But you're going to support the preacher over the victim. How sick is that? How can you say, as a as a tur- you know, a card carrying church member that you saved, sanctified, spirit filled, but you're going to ignore the fact that your pastor is committing the vilest of crimes. And I know there's a line in him that vilest offender who truly believes a moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. I know that's in one of the hymns. To God be the glory, that's the name of the hymn. But, but still, the vileless offender, yes, receives a pardon for Jesus, but that person should be put in jail. And before I cast judgment, y'all say, before y'all say I'm judging, and, and, uh, and before you say judge nothing before the time, as some of you super spiritual folk would do, let, let, let me ask you this question. What would you do then for your child if you discovered your child had been inappropriately uh, involved with your pastor? Right now there's a pastor in Memphis, Frank Ray, and we talked about this before, but it's just the fact that, you know, he had been involved with numerous women in his congregation, and one woman brought charges against him for being involved with her children her daughters, or uh, a daughter, or something of that nature. I, uh, I I don't have the exact baggie, uh but we've reported, we've talked about it. You can go online and, and uh, you know, Thaddeus Matthews and his radio show in Memphis, uh, his show in Memphis is it, and he made YouTube videos about it. But anyway, but folks are still at his church defending that man. And instead of stepping away and repenting, he took out a restraining order against a woman accusing him of messing with his her daughter how sick is that and then his members are defending him that's that's crazy that's crazy i i I can't for the life of me I cannot understand why we are not why we're choosing to ignore this problem until it hits our house now I'm gonna be honest with you we need to be proactive. And I'm running out of time, but I'm still going to say it. And uh, if we go off the air, fine, you know. But, you know, listen to the archive and you catch the rest of it. We have to do a better job of screening our, 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 our members. I mean, and our pastors. For example, whenever we have an outing at my church, not only do we have to do a background check, on you, but I observe you personally. Your interaction with the children. I, I'm, you know, I, I was in education long enough to to kind of discern actions and interactions, and you know, just gotta be careful. And uh, I do that. I watch and observe. But we also, you know, in addition to a background check, we let you. You have to go through our uh, harassment class. You know, clergy. We have a sexual misconduct conduct uh, policy in our discipline and I have adapted that to my church so that those working with the young people even the females they are aware of the policy I have a policy and you know thank God we don't have to use it but they are aware of the policy they go through the training and uh, hopefully within the next year we'll be begin to uh, do the, the certification thing so that they be certified and we're, we're working on that our clergy, we have to do it. But if anybody who works with children, if it's required in the public school system, well, let me digress because that, that doesn't always work. But, you know, we just have to be more vehement about protecting our children. And because an individual says that they have a calling and that they are anointed, don't mean they need to be laying hands on your child. Amen, somebody? Doesn't mean that they need to be interacting with your child after hours, after church hours. If you have a church social, uh, you, you know, and this is, I know this is stretching a bit far, but everybody can't take your child home. Everybody can't drive the church van or the church bus. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody doesn't need to be chaperoning your children. Because if they have access to their children, your children, then that means they're capable of being inappropriate with your children. So what can churches do? What can churches do? First of all, and as I mentioned before, have some kind of policy in place. Get a sexual harassment policy, uh, clergy sexual misconduct, uh, lay leaders sexual misconduct policy in place. Make it visible. Make it in writing so folks know this is what we're going to do if we discover. You know, this is what we expect and how you behave. And I'm not just talking about a moral clause. There's moral clauses. And, you know, some people, uh, I know a lot of Southern Baptist Church, that's what they do. They have the moral clause, and that's an excuse to get rid of their pastor. I'm I'm talking about a strict policy that says what you expect, what you do not expect, and what will happen if you find out this has happened. That's what you need to do. And second, you need to stop being silent. Don't be so what they say so heavenly minded. You ain't no earthly good to your children because you love your pastor and anointing and all that stuff or whatever. They and you can't see that the pastor is seducing your child, your your male child or your female child. And you know, and I, I had to learn that I can't hug some of my children in the church. You know, it, it's a sad thing, but I have to learn that I have to restrict some of my interactions with them because of that. You know, because uh, some people may mistake that and, and run with it. And some teenagers, you know, when they got these hormones going crazy, uh, they do some some of the craziest stuff. Trust me, I know. You know, they 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 their mind is warped, and you know, they don't put two and two together. And as the adult, you don't need to take advantage of a child like that. But that's what's happening. I don't care if the girl is hot in the tail, hot in the pants, or fast, or the boy is managed. You don't take advantage of that. You teach them. That's what Paul writes in First Timothy. Teach your young children. Teach your daughters how to dress. and Teach the men how to behave. Do that to the boys. Don't take advantage of them. What good is it going to benefit you? Moments of pleasure? What? Please. We gotta do better. We really do have to, because what's what's at stake is more than just your reputation, your church reputation, or your pastor's reputation. What's what's at stake is the life of a minor that will be impacted for years. I don't know, and I have not read of one story where. A child was molested, and they did not follow them and torture them for years. Some may have stayed on the straight and narrow and never addressed it, and went on to probably put on good life, you know, a good portrayal of a happy life. But inside, they were tormented. Some of them became depressed and acted out as teens, you know. They, you know, have some of them do. They turn in with get silent and. You know don't want to go to church others act out violently they may have a boyfriend or girlfriend that they abuse or a husband or wife that they abuse or even worse they may abuse their own children. it's a very dangerous thing and we cannot be quiet about it I, I i it hurts me it grieves me that some churches and some church leaders and some pastors are railing Against homosexuality, railing against abortion, and they're they're doing all this, and they're allowing this to happen in their church, or they are doing it themselves, but their voice for other is, social issues is louder, so you know what they do ain't going to come to the light, but every we you know, and I also know I mean, I was almost there. I know what it's like, how easy it is to fall into that trap. I know what it's like because I work with children. I know how it is, how easy. You can make, you know, I had children I was responsible for picking up and dropping off. I had children I was responsible for, you know, all kinds of things, male and female. And I thank God that I didn't have, I had a heart for the children and not lust for the children. And we need pastors like that. We need pastors who have a heart for their children. A heart that goes beyond just the fact that, you know, they got them. That's what we need. We need pastors who are not afraid, not afraid at all, to to stand up for children. When they know that their children are possible, possibly being molested under their watch or by them, we got to do better. We got to do better. And I, I, I probably have to come back and address this again. And I'm gonna find a guest that could help me uh, articulate. Because, I, you know, I, I didn't articulate like I wanted to. I think it's so serious. And I didn't just want to throw out statistics. I didn't just want to throw out all that kind of stuff. So my appeal is is for is for us to do better. But, you know, I digress. Look, I've run out of time, and I appreciate those of you who are, tuned in. And thank you. Uh, I wish I had some callers, but uh, nonetheless, we, we still had a wonderful show. It's time for me to go. Um, we'll be back next week with another little good show, so uh, we invite you to come in and catch in the archive show. Go back all the way down uh, to 2010. You can catch archive shows, download the iPod to uh, for your uh, to your device with iTunes, and catch up. Either way, we just Thank you. I'm going to to